Welcome to the Some Days Here podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. So glad you're here. Some Days Here is a podcast for AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander leaders. In each episode, we discuss how we navigate living in both Eastern and Western worlds and how the unique blend of our experiences influences our faith, our life, and our leadership. All right, well, welcome to Someday is Here, Season 4, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my guest today, Tiffany Bloom. She is the author of Pray Tell, which is a great play on words because pray is spelled P-R-E-Y, why we silence women who tell the truth and how everyone can speak up. She's a conference speaker, just got back from speaking at MomCon, and her work has been featured in Publishers Weekly and Sojourners, Red Letter Christian, the Version Bible app, and more. So she is a woman who serves at the intersection of justice and women, humor and faith, and that's the stuff we're going to talk about. Tiffany lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband and her two sons, and I am thrilled to call her sister and friend. So welcome to Some Days Here, Tiffany. Oh, thanks for having me, Vivian. It's great to see you. And we actually had the chance to grab lunch together in Seattle. Oh, so delicious. Boy, did we have the best lunch ever. The most delightful noodles. I To this day, I'm like, oh, man, rolled out the red carpet on that one. <laughs> Sat outside under a heater. Yes, and that's how I learned of your foodie side which is so great. So now I know there I have friends that I know, like whenever we go someplace, just trust them completely with whatever they say. And you are now in that category because it was wonderful. <laughs> it was wonderful. Oh, man, I love food, love to eat. In a past life, Vivian, I was a food writer for Seattle magazines. And so I am it my love for food and sharing food, it, it runs deep. Oh, well, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things I think about our community is how food brings us all together. And there's just mm. something very powerful about that. Well, I would love for you to share with listeners who may not be familiar with you. Tell, tell us a little bit of your story, and some of your ethnic journey, and even just how we even know each other, too. So go ahead and just jump in, and we'll just converse over all the things. Perfect. Well, listeners, from the name, you would not guess I am Indian American. I was abandoned at birth in India and then adopted to the States when I was just shy of two years old. I grew up in a rural white community, did not meet another person of color till I was in middle school and really had no opportunity to grapple with my Indian identity. Uh, my parents were not equipped to help me navigate that process. Mm -hmm. And so my 20s and now here I am uh, nearing the end of my 30s have been a becoming really leaning into who I am as an Indian woman made in the image of God and my seat at the table and my place in the kingdom and really the journey has been one of resiliency and navigating what it looks like to accept my unique contribution to the world one born of brokenness and loss and longing for belonging and a place and the Lord has satiated that yeah. and it really has been a privilege to use my space platform and voice to bring awareness to women of color gender equity in sacred and secular spaces and I get to do that I take the show on the road I as Vivian said I travel and speak um, I had a podcast for four years called why though with a co-host where we talked about all things faith culture and humor 
and I am an author at Pray Tell, my third book. And I'm I'm just so passionate. The more I write, um, speaking, writing, encouraging, discipling, mentoring women to be who God created them to be, um, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, no matter their story. Wow, that is beautiful. I love hearing all those different facets of your story, and it's clear that you've spent a lot of time processing and working through um, identity and f- how that intersects with faith. And one of the places that we really want to focus on with Some Days Here is sharing the stories of AAPI leaders. And I have a real tender spot in my heart for the transracial adoptee because the story is unique being raised in a predominantly white environment uh, by white parents. Um, I would love for you to share, like, what what are a few things that you wish people understood about the transracial mm. adoptee experience that we tend to miss, especially in Christian circles? Um, just what are some of the things now as an adult? Because a lot of times, you know, we hear about the adoption story, usually from the lens of the parents who are adopting children of you know, Asian descent, and uh, we don't get to hear the adult version of that adoptee. And so I would love for you to speak to that. Oh, my, what an honor. First things first, I operate in a world where people expect me to be Indian and have the uh, cultural markers and the knowledge. And I, I don't have that. And I grieve that I don't have that. Mm. But I'm still expected to show up in a, in a world especially in the dominant world uh, that is ma- majority white. And I live in the Seattle area. So there is a lot of Asian influence, uh, particularly East Asian and some South Asian, the more North you go toward Microsoft. But there is <laughs> such uh, there's such an expectation that I will be stereotypically Indian. And I don't have that mother tongue. I don't have uh, first knowledge of that culture. And the world still expects that. And I don't have that. So mm. I'm showing up with my upbringing in a in a white family and wanting and craving to be white and 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 Mm. and and despising the fact that i was indian for the majority of my adolescence and so there's both a grief when i operate through the world because i'm not meeting someone else's expectation Mm. but then there's also this understanding that i have a unique perspective on the world I'm third culture without being third culture if you will like I, i didn't grow up abroad but here i am with this brown skin and I, I see myself as a dual language speaker in the sense that I can go into spaces of color and feel extremely comfortable. Mm. And I can go into white spaces and I speak fluent white girl. You know what I'm sure, saying? Sure, so yes. I identify a, with that I too, yes. This, w- totally. What I saw as, as such a, a limp and a hindrance mm. has now, in my opinion, become a great gift. And I think that has, again, come from a lot of realization, self-realization, a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of a lot of healing, but I would want people to know that you cannot stereotype a transracial adoptee. Mm. We likely have such a unique experience that's not comparable, and everyone wants to put someone in a box. We want to make sense (laughs) of context. We want to make sense of other people. I don't think it's a any sort of dismissive act. I think it's an act to help us understand our surroundings, but when you do that with an adoptee, um, it can be really diminishing, and it's hard to find my place at the table because... I, I didn't resonate for the majority of my life with the Asian American community because I didn't have those cultural touchstones. And by Indians, I mean, Vivian, we gonna go there, girl. Yes, go, by go, By Indian go. women who were older than me, I was a disappointment because mm. I didn't have the reverence and honor that was expected. I didn't have 
the the first knowledge. Yes. I mean, I have a <laughs> yes, I have a neighbor. She, her, and her husband were um, professors. Uh, of at course, local universities here, and yes, they were. <laughs> I know we got you. We got you. Healthcare, tech, medicine. That's right. Yep, and and we'll be your professor. Yes, we know everything about you. <laughs> we do. Yes, and uh, she says, "Oh, don't you miss this and this and this?" And I was like, "Oh, I was institutionalized. Like, I don't really have knowledge of this." And she was like, "What a shame! What a what a poor example of of an Indian you are." And I say that as one tiny example, but that ha- that's not the first time that that is that has happened to me. Mm. Uh, secondly, I think it is poignant to note that Asian American adoptees, Pacific Islander adoptees, uh, we want, we, I, I mean, forgive me for speaking for the group, but I'm going to do it is, I think for many of us, we want this first knowledge. We mm. want to know more. So we would just encourage a uh, of our our first culture community, would you welcome us? Mm, would you teach us? Good. Would you be patient with us? Mm. Uh, there has been nothing sweeter for me it, it, in the last few years than finding other Asian American Christian women in this space, particularly in, in leadership, uh, whether it's ministry, nonprofit, business, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It has been the most life-giving experience. We need each other. That's so right. if you're listening and you're thinking, this is all I have. I would just encourage you find locally in real life other women. They are there. You might have to hunt for them. Mm-hmm, Facebook mm-hmm. can help, yes. um, but it is worth it. It's worth it to find. Um, it's worth it to find others who can walk along this journey because I think I would say now it's what I love most about myself mm. is being Asian American. That's is beautiful. Being, uh, Indian American woman. Compassion International is working to release children from poverty in Jesus' name through its one-on-one child sponsorships. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, your $38 a month will provide food, clean water, education, medical and dental checkups, and above all else, the ability to learn about Jesus and flourish through the local church. Letters from your child will help you keep updated on their life and development. Your sponsorship ensures this child will have hope, hope that poverty will end with him or her. But your Compassion sponsorship doesn't just provide for the needs of the child, Compassion cares for the whole family. Your sponsorship will change one child, one family, and one community. There are more than 100,000 children awaiting sponsorship, children who are desperate for hope. To partner with Compassion in bringing hope to a child today, simply text IV Media, that's I V E Y Media, to 83393, or go to slash IV Media. The link will also be in the show notes. That's slash IV Media. Hey everyone, do you have big goals for 2023? I'm actually pretty excited about this new year, and that's in part because of the Prep Dish Meal Plans. Subscribers receive an email every week with an organized grocery list and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. If you don't think you have time to meal prep, I used to think the same thing. But with the Prep Dish Super Fast Meal Plans, I can prep five healthy dinners in just one hour. Every Friday, I receive meal prep meal plans straight into my inbox. I have the choice of either gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super fast meal plans. 
So if you want to serve healthy, homemade meals without the stress, the founder, Allison, is offering listeners of Some Days Here a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com slash Vivian for this amazing deal. It's interesting. When I speak and have conversation with those who have grown up in a predominantly white environment, there's usually internalized racism. I know that I experienced mm. that growing up in Boulder um, as one of a handful of Asians um, wanting to be white, looking around, and no one looked like me. That experience is not true had I been raised in Chinatown, for example, in New York City. I, right. I don't think it would be quite the same. Um, but I, I wonder, like, for you in your journey, you know, now standing here as a woman who's so proud of her ethnic heritage and um, embracing fully the skin tone and you know just all of who's got who God has made you to be uh, were were there points like moments for you that you can look back on that moved you toward that direction um, away from the wishing that you had the blonde hair and the blue eyes it really speaks to what you just said about community, how different if you would have grown up in Chinatown in New York or San Francisco or anywhere with a more multicultural uh, community. I moved to London when I was 18 uh, to do a ministry internship and a hefty percentage of Britons, especially Londoners, are Indian. Oh, and that yes. was yes. a huge turning point okay. for me to see all of these. And uh, and many of them are, are first gen. So see all these beautiful Indian women and men mm. and just living their best lives. Sure. And I'm like, more of us. I know there's a billion of us, but there's so <laughs> many of us. And yes. it just, I remember, oh, Vivian, I have not recalled the story in so long. I remember I was working at an elementary school doing um, faith-based uh, after-school clubs. And one of the teachers was Indian. And I got to know her, and her husband that she was about to marry. Uh, her fiance was white. And she invited me to her wedding. And it was the first time I got to go to any sort of Indian celebration. Mm. 600 people at this wedding, Vivian. Wow. And and they didn't assume that everybody knew all the moves. So by the end of it, we all knew what to do. And here I am borrowing Indian clothing from my white friend that I live with. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just this moment of like, this is so beautiful. Mm. I see the, the vibrancy and the yes. color of Jesus present mm-hmm. in all this. And it was just... I mean, I have chills just telling you about it. It was such a celebration. And so I would say my understanding of self, although I really struggled, again, growing up in a rural white community who expected me to be white, like many of us, I contorted myself to be accepted by dominant culture, all of those things, but being able to have a taste of what could be and to be okay with who I was mm. and to not apologize. I yeah. think, you know, so much I feel like of... of 20s 30s and i and i'm assuming 40s it's coming home to yourself mm. not consenting to regret not consenting to fantasy but being like this is who i am and it's beautiful right. this is not something to hide this is not something it is it's as as hosanna wong said it someday is here conference a few years ago it's good to be me yeah it's good to be me and so mm-hmm. it was really it was really a turning point um those those years in london because i was young I, it was my coming of age and i'm in this vibrant city Seeing Indians, I mean, the, I think at the time I lived there, the mayor of, of London mm-hmm. was an Indian man. So yeah, it yeah. was, it was really, it was really beautiful to be, to see strong 
Indian women in places of power. That was not only it was just pure getting to see women of, of, of Indian descent, but also to see them in places of power. Yes. It was like, oh, double whammy. There was no Mindy Kaling. That's there was right. No That's right. There was no Nadia Bakes. I didn't mm-hmm. have none of that. Mm-hmm. I, none of that. Yep. Yep. And I think if, if it's okay to say this, so many of us live in this black, white binary. Yeah. And then Asian American women were sitting here being like, you expect us to be silent, but there are millions of us and we mm-hmm. have something to say and contribute. Yes. And we want a place at this table and discuss and help shape the future and help shape the faith. So I it's, love been a, that. it's been a journey. It's been a journey and we all are on that journey, but I see time and again, and this is again why we have a space like Some Days Here, is really that representation matters. And Come something on. shifts inside of us when we can see someone doing something. It's like, I think it was my our friend, Joe Saxton, who said, you can't be what you can't see. And I think, on. you know, Come that on. again is so life-giving and it really does matter. And so that's a lot of the heart behind the Some Days Here community is how can we cheer each other on with the good works that God has put before us um, in order for others to be exposed to and learn and experience and taste and help us to live out um, God's call for our life. Did you know the first Asian American on U.S. currency is actress Anna Mae Wong? Born in Los Angeles in 1905, Anna Mae's birth name was Wong Liu Song. She's considered the first Chinese-American Hollywood movie star as well as the first Chinese-American actress to gain international recognition. Anna Mae's career spanned 40 years in silent films, sound film, television, stage, and radio. She appeared in more than 60 movies throughout her career, and she paved the road for Asian-American actors by fighting through institutional racism in Hollywood. One of the most devastating moments in her career was being denied the lead role of a Chinese farmer's wife in MGM's The Good Earth, a 1937 film adaptation of Pearl Buck's novel. The studio cast a white actress to play Olam and offered anime the role of a villain, which she refused. Major studios often resorted to Yellowface, the practice of casting white actors as Asians. Despite limited lead roles, stereotypical casting, and vast pay inequities, Anna Mae Wong left a legacy for others. Now, decades later, her work is being recognized and she is celebrated by having her image and name placed on an American quarter. And that's this week's Did You Know? Well, let's talk a little bit about your book, Pray Tell. Let's just start with why did you write the book? Yeah, well, my previous titles are Christian Women's Living Inspiration. And this is a pretty, pretty hard 90 degree right turn. Yeah. Talking about social justice and faith and women's equality. And it was really born out of my own experience of speaking truth to power and losing more in the process than I ever thought possible. Mm. In a space and place where I believed that my voice would be heard, it was silenced. I I experienced subjugation. And 
it was so jarring to lose a place at the table financially, professionally, socially, relationally, that it made me step back and think, we have done this to women throughout human history. We have silenced mm. them. We have told them to lick their own wounds in private and so much more so for women of color. Mm -hmm. So it's really an exploration, not only through the scriptures, but through the last hundred years of why we silence women, why we are so quick to forgive men in power, hmm. why we give a free pass to men in power as women, right. and how we're part of the problem and how we can be part of the answer. Ooh, what a great summary. And fire, like absolute fire. So I love that you took the time to invest into this very important content, and it just seems increasingly more relevant the farther we mm. go. Um, so uh, are you working on any other projects these days? Uh, you know, I have a little uh, niggling in my gut to write a devotional. I've written mm. kind of hefty women's Bible studies mm -hmm. that have the you know video curriculum that goes with it. But I would love just a devotional, like a just the everyday at the intersection of spiritual formation, um, women's history mm -hmm. and scripture. So that's kind of where my head's at right now. And then, um, yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I love is, that, uh, Tiffany. To I love that. Pen to paper for that. That's so yeah. great. You know what I think is really significant, and I think you model this so well, is that often women of color are only invited into spaces to speak on justice. At least I've noticed that. And yeah. we, are, we are more than that. And we have more to yeah. offer. So when I think about what you have written and the things that you have, you know, put your heart and your pen to, it really is a wide, diverse offering. And that just is reflective, I think, of who we are, that it, we can speak on many different things, but one thing does not define who we are. And so I, I just love that. Wouldn't you say, especially in the... <laughs> In the faith space, I think we, you're the girl who speaks on this. You're the girl who talks about that. Right, so the right. idea of being more of a generalist right. is something that we've allowed other people to do. And I think that there's room for for women of color, especially Asian American women, Pacific Islander women, to be able to embody that as well. Yeah, totally and right. I love the idea of just normalizing us doing all the normal things too. Like it is significant to me whenever I see an Asian character on, you know, in media who doesn't do Kung Fu because not everybody does kung fu <laughs> like, I mean, just the assumptions that are made about us and recognizing that you know indians do more than medicine and spelling bees you know like just yeah. can we we're not just your anesthesiologist that's right exactly <laughs> so i love that very very much Hey everyone, if you're looking for a new Bible study, I want to tell you about one from my friends at Women of Welcome. I love them. They are such a great organization. Um, their team has created a beautiful, simple, and free Bible study that can be done individually or with a group. Women of Welcome is a community dedicated to diving into the whole of Scripture to understand God's heart for the immigrant and refugee. The welcome of Christ was astonishing to the culture around him. He gave voice to the speechless, frustrated the powerful, and humbled the wise. As Christians, our welcome should be like his, wonderfully surprising, deeply challenging, and firmly rooted in love. 
And that's true as I study the scriptures and I learn about how people are made in the image of God, Imago Dei. And having that view of people changes how I interact with the people around me, especially those who come from a different background. So when you start following Women of Welcome and learning from them, you venture into a journey of understanding biblical hospitality in a fresh and authentic way. A great starting point is their Christ-like welcome study, and you can download it for free today. Spend five weeks in the Word exploring the beautiful welcome of Jesus toward His most beloved creation, human beings. To download your free copy of the Christ-like welcome study, visit womenofwelcome.com slash Vivian. That's womenofwelcome.com slash Vivian for your free Bible study. Enjoy. Hey everyone, taking a quick break to kind of focus in on the topic of marriage. My husband and I have been married for 31 years and we have the privilege of speaking at marriage conferences across the country. And marriage is challenging and there are a lot of challenging topics to navigate. And 31 years ago, I would have really appreciated um, the kind of content that I'm about to share with you. Countdown to Marriage is an online course that's created by Legacy Family Ministries. And it's set to help couples have a meaningful and fulfilling marriage. It's uh, designed to help engage couples to connect and to lay a solid foundation before saying I do. In this six-session course, Legacy Family Ministries walks couples through practical topics such as communication styles and conflict management and sexual intimacy, shared finances, and how to navigate relationships with in-laws. Those are the topics that really are often at the root of a lot of conflict in marriage. This course is led by Byron and Carla Weathersby who have spent nearly 30 years preparing thousands of couples for marriage, including Chip and Joanna Gaines. The Countdown to Marriage course provides engaging training videos, actionable resources from each lesson, and important discussion questions to get couples talking about what matters most. So if you're engaged to be married or know someone who is, visit LegacyCountdown.com slash online and enter the code IBMedia to save 25% off the cost of the course. Again, that's LegacyCountdown.com slash online and use IV, that's I-V-E-Y, media at checkout to receive this discount. Marriage is an important relationship, and the investment into these topics before you say I do will yield such benefit. So check out this great opportunity. What are some of your leadership principles that I know you've led in, you know, varying degrees and varying situations? I mean, for you as a woman of color, um, and with your background and your experiences, what would you say are like one or two principles of leadership that you live by? Mm, what a beautiful question. I would say first, do not apologize for your gifts or your skill set. I think so many of us, not only as women, are we taught uh, culturally to be accommodating to others and especially the men in the room, mm. but as women, but also as as women of consequence, as women of color, as women 
um, uh, of Asian descent, we are also fighting these unsaid stereotypes yeah. that are, nobody's going to voice them in the room, but everybody believes them in the room. Mm. So the idea to walk in there, I am both kind and commanding. As women, we have the privilege and honor of being kind and commanding. And I think um, as a young woman, nobody, nobody told me that I was allowed to take up space. I was there to make people feel comfortable mm. and be agreeable mm -hmm. and diplomatic to a fault. Yeah. And and if if my ideas somehow got wrapped up into the greater scheme or greater agenda, praise God. But rather than coming in and seeing myself as an equal, because that's how nobody's mm. going to hand us a place at the table, Vivian. Nobody is looking to make room for us. We need to pull up a chair or build our own table. And right. so the idea that, no, I believe I belong here. Mm -hmm. So coming with that confidence. So internally, when I think of leadership and women, we it's already been decided. Hmm. We are not waiting for anyone's permission to show up. It has already been decided. It has already been decided. We are welcome here because the Lord says so. Mm -hmm. So walking in with that confidence, mm -hmm. walking in with that ability, and also I think externally looking to build connections, knowing that I have what you need mm -hmm. and you have what I need mm -hmm. and we're in this together. Yeah. Seeing yourself as an asset. I know I'm, I'm not meaning to pump all you listeners up, but I am here to pump you up. That's right. We need to see ourselves as an asset. Mm. We we have a certain set of skills. We, we, we are more diplomatic. We are agreeable. We are able to read the room. We mm. are able to be mm. um, dualistic in the sense that we can understand what dominant culture expects and also bring the strengths and gifts and abilities of our first culture yeah. and be able to meld those. And I think for such a time as this, yes. women are more positioned to be able to lead effectively because of these skills that we have developed um, by nature of the game and because it's been out of necessity. Mm. Oh, that is so, so excellent. Kind and commanding. I think that describes you so very, very well. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, definitely. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> you go. You keep going. So I'm curious with regard to your um, your journey now. When you think about the future and the kind of leaders from our community, collective community, um, what would you hope to? be able to pass on to the next generation that you didn't have? I mean, I think you've already started talking about that, you know, when you're saying, like, how do we link arms and how do we, um, you know, move together and recognize that, you know, we're, we bring all of who we are. But I just think about the, the growing number of um, AAPI people in our country um, and obviously worldwide billions um, but uniquely in our country right now, like with the future and this next generation coming up, what would your hope be for the kind of world that they would grow up in and how we can, in our space now, help set them up well? Being able to name their experiences. I think so many of us lacked the vernacular growing up mm. to explain the racism we experienced, to explain the othering we experienced, to okay. try to compensate for when other people felt uncomfortable in our presence, Ooh. we would go the extra mile to make them feel comfortable. We talk like them, we dress like them, we eat like them, so so they feel comfortable. So I would say being able to name your experience is incredibly powerful because if you can name it, you can begin to heal from it. Mm. I mean, you know, some of the research in Pray Tell, I talk about only in the last 50 years has the idea of, you know, harassment or misconduct really been uh, in the mainstream. Yeah 
you know, language yeah. that we use in America. That's a relatively new term. So you see women in the 40s, 50s, 60s, they didn't they didn't raise a red flag. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to HR. They didn't complain because there wasn't a way to name their experience. And right. so then it was written off. It was oh, written so off good. at the end. And then you look at the last 60 years of women who would come forward. It, it, these complaints went from 14% to 40%. Like, hey, this is not okay. Mm. The way you're treating me, what I'm experiencing, you are impairing my lived experience wow. because you think I should act, be, do a certain way. Mm. And then here you have millennials and, and Gen Z who there's like a 90% rate where they will go to HR. They will raise their wow. red flag. They will, they will raise their voice. And so this idea of being able to name your experience mm-hmm. and having words and definitions to be like, wait, this is what's happening to me. And this is not okay. This is not the heart of God. Mm. So I would say naming your experience yeah. so you can heal from it. And, 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 and so you won't subject yourself to it. Right. The amount of us who have subjected ourselves to toxic environments, to dominant cultures who had no, no plans to make room for us mm. is, is so sad. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Many mm-hmm. of us. And I know listeners, you hear me on that one. Yeah. And so not only naming it, but being able to have opportunity and not just for one, mm-hmm. not for not to tokenize. That's right. But multitude, That's a, right. mul- a multitude of opportunities. That's right. Um, that we would share together, mm-hmm. that we would experience this growth. And because there is, can be so much competition internally yeah. among uh, our community, because like there's only room for one of us. <laughs> And if you get it, then I, you know, then there's this animosity mm. between other women. We see this with women at large, but it gets it, it gets real dicey and slicey when you're talking about just the AAPI community. And that's not that's not the heart of God. That's yeah. not sisterhood. Yeah, that's not elevating all of us. We are all here to win. We are all here to thrive. Yeah, we are all here to paint God colors, and that can mm. only happen with a multitude of opportunities. Oh, that's so beautiful, and your heart just beats like. It's- same, same, same. So I'm nodding and shake. Yes, absolutely. And amen. And yes, and amen. So, so, so great. You are just such beauty and fire and fun. So I just, I just think the world of you. I think the world of you. And I think the world needs to know you. So how can people connect with you, Tiffany? Uh, thank you. You can find me at TiffanyBloom.com, B-O-U-H-M, or on Instagram, Tiffany Bloom. And I hang out mostly there. I am not on TikTok. I'm too old. I have too many stretch marks. I got a mortgage payment. No TikTok for me. And I just want to say to you, Vivian, you were pioneering 10, 20, 30 years ago. And look at the table you have set for so many of us coming up behind you and alongside you. And I can only imagine how isolating it had been for more than a handful of years for you. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, making me cry, Tiffany. Grateful for you. Thank you so much for being a guest on season four and just being the amazing leader and woman and sister that you are. So grateful for you, Tiffany. And I am excited for the next time we get to be together in person. Mm, so am I. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Someday is Here is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. It's produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes and graphics are by Nikki Ogden. And the original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Productions. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. To learn more about the Someday's Here community, check us out on the socials at Someday's Here Podcast or at Viv Mabuni on Instagram. <laughs>